Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Jack Podcast Series. I'm your host, Chris Farmstead, and we have a very special guest today from the J Sports Take Podcast Series. We have Jay. How's it going, my man? Hey, I'm doing good. Just crazy last 24 hours, uh, which we'll Absolutely. get into for, you know, the NBA world. It's, it's crazy. Absolutely, and we're going to get right into it with the NBA draft. In my honest opinion, I knew Paolo Benchero would go first rather than the country thinking that Jabari Smith Jr. would go first. Mm-hmm. I think that caught it. It didn't surprise me that Paolo went first. I think how's he, how he's going to fit in with that system. Because I'm looking at his numbers. He averaged eight eight rebounds per game, three assists per game, 17 points per game. And coming into Orlando, who had a terrible record of 22 and 60. Yeah. The the He's coming into a team who has Cole Anthony, a great shooter, great perimeter defender. Jalen Suggs, who was a member of Gonzaga and had a great run of his own, still improving in, in with Orlando. And Mo Bamba, who's probably one of the best young big men out there right now with them Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner both great you know young talent this team is just full of youth it's just hard for Orlando to kind of get back to I would say 2009 Orlando 2010 Orlando Mm -hmm. where it was that was a great team but and I think with Paolo on that roster he's putting into a spot where it's still a young team but do you think it's you know it'll fit with Boncaro it can work uh for me it wasn't my first choice I wouldn't have selected Paulo if I was uh Orlando but I it's tricky it's tricky because you know they have a lot of forwards and they have a lot of guards now and they kind of need help with the center but honestly in and this is what I was going to get into with my video is that you can't select a center this like high at all anymore, in my opinion, because right. I feel like centers are the most replaceable position in basketball at this point in time, and you have to go with the forward. And so with Orlando getting that um, one overall, the first overall pick, they kind of have to select a forward. And so it could it could work out, but I. It, it's not necessarily fit is the question. It's more on Boncaro on how he's going to play. I am very questionable of um, how he is going to be in the league. I this think. Kind of, oh, keep going. Mm-hmm. No, I, I said I think the one kid who I'm really concerned with how he's going to do in the league would be Chet Holmgren. Oh, well, yeah, he's one, he's, but like also also Paulo too. I'm a little concerned. Paulo too, but Chet with his size and him playing either the power forward or the center, I'm sorry. When you go up against a guy like, you know, Draymond Green who's tough in the paint or um, Rudy Gobert who's tough in the paint yeah, or Pascal Siakam, who's tough in the paint, or all these guys who are dominant in the paint. Uh, I'm blanking on a few, which I shouldn't be, but Chet Holmgren's too small for his size. He's too, he's a great player. He's able to move, he's able to shoot, 
but coming into OKC, who had a 24 and 58 record, the only players that you're really building off of are Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. That's the only two, two maybe, maybe Georgios Kalatskis, but that's it. That roster has nothing to help him. And that roster has nothing to help that organization. I think the only thing that organization has is multiple future first round and second round picks. So what I saw, um, or what is it? I feel like out of the top three teams, OKC uh, can take a risk on Chet. Personally, Chet is the most risky prospect in this whole draft because he didn't submit his medical records and people with his size, especially at seven foot two, have heart problems that tall. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't submit his medical records, which is very interesting, but he did not get hurt in college. So he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Hopefully not, you know, he doesn't get hurt. No, because when I watched him, he, he was, he was very smooth with it. He reminded me of a, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon kind of smooth take. He wasn't too hard on the paint. He wasn't too aggressive, but he knew where to go. This kid has great, you know, ball handling skills. He has great court vision. I don't doubt he'll have a good career. I'm thinking, like you said, with his size, he's prone to, like you said, heart problems. He could have joint problems. Anything can happen with him, especially a kid of that size. I mean, we saw Taco fall, mm-hmm. and he's still, he's kind of, you know, still trying to get back up there i think he should still be in the nba but no teams are really that liable to pick him up i think with chat you're looking at the same thing i think let's see how the, his rookie year goes and okc will have to determine okay i mean you have your rookie year you're pretty much locked into okc for about the first two years give or take and you just got to look from there. I think they're not going to get rid of him because that three, they can still do something. I know they can, at least that with him there, they could probably get to 30 wins. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they'll have a winning record. I'm saying they'll at least get to the 30 win mark. Well, one thing with OKC, what I like is besides Chet, there are other picks. Uh, one of them I'll, I'll say is um, Jalen Williams from um, Santa Clara. He was a good pickup. He was a great pick. Uh, Great shooter. Great Mm -hmm. perimeter defender. This kid can ball, and this kid can shoot. I think that's what you need on a team with him, and especially with Shea down there trying to do his thing. Josh Giddy really improving as a, you know, role player. And also Lou Dort. Right, Lou Dort, and they can get to 30 wins. It's just, is the coaching staff going to be up to it? That coaching staff was mediocre at best mm-hmm. uh one one thing to to kind of add with the oklahoma um city thunder so I, if you keep you know they have what 17 first round picks besides the trade that they gave up three to get um uzman diang at right. some point there is a thing where you have too many young players and you can't develop obviously you can't develop all of them because it's too many to kind of like choose around so at some point you have to kind of give up a lot of those picks to get a more ready NBA player, whoever's in the trade market, right? Just for an example, right. John Collins. I'm not saying they should get John Collins, but he's in the trade market right now. Let's say they just they decided to um, give up picks and get John Collins, or you know, 
let's talk about more of an NBA star who, um, you know, who's wanting out. I don't, I can't think of any on top of my head besides Kyrie, but obviously he won't want to go to. I know I've seen, um, I've seen Montrez Harrell on the trade block. I've seen Carmelo on the trade block. That'd at least be a good bet experience to have. Not saying he'll leave LA, but I'm saying you, you do want a guy who's been in the league for a few years who can give you that mentorship as to, okay, this is how we can improve. And he can be that, give him that vet contract, that one year, like three mil, and you can be okay. Yeah. But also, too, right? They already have a good player in Josh Giddy, and they already have a good player in Shea Gilgis, and they have a good forward in Luke Dort. And they're starting to get, you know, those young players that are turning into role players. And then you have Chet. Right. But, you know, you can start giving up your picks to go get maybe a potential star that can help you out in the future. And right. so if they they should do that, uh, are they going to do that? Who knows? Because um, Sam Presti is a very interesting GM. If stuff needs to happen, he will do it. That is Sam Presti, and that's what we've seen in his um, time with the Oklahoma City Thunder as a GM. So, um, yeah, so eventually they just need to pull the plug and get rid of those 17 first-rounders and try getting a um, star to go with. Yeah, because you can't just – you can't have all these prospects be on your team. Because some of them, yeah, some of them will do good, but then other, but others will just get, you know, outshined by uh, all the young players. For an example, right, James Harden and Thunder. Look how he did when he went to Houston. After he you didn't know, really care, he didn't care at Houston as much as what you would think. Mm-hmm. It kind of was a love loss relationship at that point because I think at that point he was it was him, Dwight, all them. Tried to make a run, didn't happen. I think with um, like I agree. I think you need. It's gonna be tough moving forward, but I know that OKC could eventually. I mean, it's it's just so hard when it's not a top free agent destination. It's not a top destination. It's not a LA. It's not a Brooklyn. It's not a New York. Mm-hmm. It's not a Boston. It's not a Golden State. It's not a Miami. Yeah, it's nothing. Hmm. Even heck, Milwaukee is a better tourist desti- is a better destination than Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's just because they have something that they're building, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be interesting to see. And then with a the third pick, uh, Houston grabbed Jabari Smith Jr. and everyone thought he was going number one. I, I but I think, but I think this will be really interesting he had in senior year seven and a half rebounds per game two assists per game 17 points per game and with houston having a really bad 20 and 62 record and he's coming in with jalen green kevin porter jr most recently boban out of dallas even though that even though they had to give up christian wood i think that was better in the long run because christian was just too small well, also they got the 26 pick, mm-hmm. too, but I think they that got traded to. Um, so they got the 26 pick, but then they traded to um, no, not Dallas. Sorry, they got Wendell Moore Jr. and they traded to Minnesota. 
Right. So, um, I'm not 100% sure what they got back in return. Houston, but... Houston got uh, Boban. No, 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 I know, but... Including including with him? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I know. They also got the 26 pick, and then they traded that. Right, so I think it'll be interesting to see how Houston kind of recoils. I know they're kind of the lower end spectrum of the NBA right now as far as talent and what they have and how they can grow. But I think with Jalen Green on the rise and, you know, Eric Gordon still playing vet ball like he's always been, Kevin Porter Jr. doing well, and the recent addition of Boban, I don't see how they can improve to like a even a 30-win year. They could improve. I think I think Jabari Smith was the most perfect selection by the Houston Rockets out of the whole. It was. Round. I think I think it was perfect situation because Jabari, he can stretch the floor and he's six foot ten, very versatile. Uh, can play defense besides the interior, but I feel like they're not playing to put Jabari Smith as center, so I, I, there's really no worries for that. So. Um, by far, out of all these three prospects, Jabari Smith to Houston was. Um, I think that was a pretty do. good. I think mm-hmm. that was a very good selection, um, and I'd consider them as one of um, there's one of the slight winners in this draft, just because of Jabari Smith falling all the way to three and getting him to Houston. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what was interesting was um, the Knicks. The Knicks had a terrible draft. They tried to trade the fourth pick from Sacramento, and Sacramento said no. But then New York decides to go with New Zealand Breakers star Osman Diang. And I'm thinking to myself, goodness gracious, where are they going? But they, they traded that pick, by the way. The, um, they did. So they pretty much t- they they pretty much got nothing. They pretty much got diddly nothing in this draft. And I'm just yeah, like, how do you, as an organization, mess up that bad <laughs> to not you know, land anybody? I, I think I love the Knicks, but they're not, and they're not my team. But I'm just like, oh my goodness. Anyone who's a Knicks fan, I feel so bad. In this, oh, don't get me wrong, because if you know in New York, you want to have someone new come into the organization and cheer, you know, rookies on. Um, I feel like yes, in this draft specifically, they did lose, but they did get three first round picks. For no, that doesn't, I yeah, I get that. I know that that might not move, but um, I feel like in a more broader scheme, it's not as horrible as it sounds. Yes, they did. They didn't get anyone, which is still kind of questionable mm-hmm. but they might be banking for this next year's draft because they're the three picks are in the 2023 draft right and i think that um there was some up and coming talent within mm-hmm. the freshman class going in that could make some impact which i mean could help them but it's still it's, it's there was still- there's just there's there's nothing that they can do now to say well we tried there's not even an excuse to say, well, we tried this draft. No, you didn't. You didn't try at all. Yeah, they should have tried at least picking someone in the first round. Um, I mean, 
I'm looking at the picks that they could have had. They could have had Jalen Williams. They could have picked up Jalen Williams as oh, I know. the pick. Jalen wanted... Williams was the next pick. <laughs> yeah. No, it's literally they in even then they could have just like traded with um uh Memphis was wanting to trade, right? They could have called them up and gave up something to get the twenty second pick. Did just do something to get some young talent, but um, right. unfortunately they didn't do that. And I mean, it's just a typical New York Nick like move. To be yes. honest, they do something crazy, but it's their return for just the eleventh pick is not bad at all. I don't like if you think about it. Like three first round picks for the eleventh pick. It's not even like a top five pick. You know what I mean? And they're getting three first. So it's it like, is. But I just think you know, it, it it'll either be smart or it'll 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 backfire yeah that's just it mm-hmm. and you just pretty much gotta wait till the next year i think one of my most surprising picks was at number seven with shade and sharp yeah because here's why he didn't play his freshman year he didn't play a whole lot he kind of he didn't play a whole lot of his freshman year at kentucky yet he still gets drafted but what i'm seeing is he's that the, the um trailblazers are not going to keep him because they're looking to trade him for veteran help with oh, Damian wow. Lillard. I saw that they are not intended to keep him, but again, they're looking to trade for veteran help for Damian Lillard for Portland. But now my question is, where could he go? That's a good question. You have that, you have that seventh pick. It's. I think he, he's a good talent and coming from, I believe it was Canada, uh, it was not Canada, it was um, he, he, one, he, one he of the prep schools. He was supposed to be from Kentucky, like right. that's the college he was supposed to go to, yeah. He took kind of that off time and kind of, I guess, recovered, recuperated, something like that. And then he didn't play but seventh pick, which wish I could do that, but be seventh pick and not play one year at college, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll be interesting to see who trades for him with, I guess, zero college experience and zero, I mean, zero college experience, zero G League experience, zero pro experience. That's tough. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, uh, if I was Portland, um, well, first I would rebuild. I just... There's just no point in contending at all. Right. But since they are trying to contend, which just doesn't make sense, um, you for what they're trying to get makes sense. They're trying to get veteran help. Yeah. But his value, like if if I would have selected, let's see, who they could have gone. They could have gone Dyson Daniels, right? And Dyson Daniels is more proven already than Shaden Sharp because he's played in the G League. And so I would have selected someone who's more proven to trade in the market versus someone who hasn't played basketball competitively in um, a year. Right. So it's just a very, yeah, I, I get the idea. The idea is not bad at all, but again, Shaden Sharp, he had, he, his, he has little value just because of him not playing in a year, his potential, the only value it is, is his ceiling, his potential. And so uh, I'm not sure who would really take the chance for them. Whoever really needs a guard, to be honest, 
Um, and some teams I could think on top of my head would be, I mean, Sacramento could take a chance on Shaden Sharp and try trading um, something for him. Sacramento, a lot of a lot of teams can for a two guard. I think you're even looking at big teams like Philly needs a two guard. Philly, too. I mean, um, who else? I know. The Knicks definitely need everybody to yeah, guard. Yeah, Nick Knicks. Mm-hmm. The Knicks, Knicks can, can use him. The Knicks can try and, for Shane Sharp. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at. I mean Minnesota, not necessarily, but I think if you he were to go to Minnesota, he could be a good sixth man, seventh man, looking under um, Ant and try yeah. to take notes from there. There's always an opportunity. Yeah. Um, even going. West, you can try going towards like Sacramento, Swaggermento. You can try. I mean, I mean, if he stays in Portland, that's gonna be tough because, I mean, it, with him and Dame, it looks good. But with them looking, with the organization already looking for vet help, you just don't know where he would fit, what they could do, and how much of a workload they're actually gonna put on him. Yeah, it's, I don't know, Portland's at a very interesting spot, especially since they traded for Jeremy Grant, and they are, they just selected Shaden Sharp, too. I thought they were going to trade the seventh pick to get value, mm-hmm. and I feel like there were teams that could go for the seventh pick to get the value, um, and given the assets that they've wanted, especially teams that are trying to move up, like right. New York, but didn't do it, which is their 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 choice but yeah i don't know it's just portland is um they're just very interesting especially since they're a low market team it's yeah and the thing is they have pieces they have good pieces dame's a good piece on the team and for me simons is a good piece um the jeremy grant recent acquisition from the portland trailblazers is a good piece um yusuf nurkic is very good too now they just got Shaden Sharp. We'll see how he is. They have a good team and a tough division and a tough conference. When well, you're in the same division as the East, about, even if they were in the East or the West, I feel like they just wouldn't wouldn't be successful. No, I think you would have more. I think it's it's looking interesting because the West has been dominant for quite a while, except you know the times when Miami was good and Toronto led the way and then back then boston i mean you're looking at teams now i believe uh let's I, i'm i'm gonna I'm hold you to this real quick because i, I want to take the standings into question mm-hmm. go into the conference uh let's see Cle- uh portland had a record of 27 and 55 and the 10th best team was 43 and 39 compared to the 10th best team in the West, which was 34 and 48. I mean, you do see the East right coming up with very few East teams, you know, having that negative record, which is, which I find interesting in and of itself. But I do think with, you know, the Pelicans trying to move, I think Denver's kind of on a slippery slope. Same with Utah's on a slippery slope. Sacramento, I don't, see them improving in the Lakers man I hope something happens and with the Spurs not like the Spurs back then you can see the Blazers at least make a 10th spot 
but it's a tough tenth to try to reach. But it's just no point. Like you're you're trying to. There isn't a point. It, it's just yeah. It, it, there isn't a more, point. They're like the Washington of the Washington Wizards of the West. If they're if it what they're doing right now. It's Bradley Beal who's stuck on um, no man's land with the team. Damian Lillard stuck with no man's land on their on his team. Both trying to compete, barely tried going into the play-in, and then get you know and just lose. And so it's just it, it's a very it's a, it's it's not a good choice for what the right. Blazers have are trying to do. And so that'll be interesting yeah all right we're gonna take a quick commercial break guys we come back we have my one-on-one hooper profile with old with a fellow podcaster and college basketball star zach Cummings. so stay tuned welcome back to the hoop jack podcast series guys and today we have a very special guest uh member of the men's basketball program at Old Westbury, owner and operator of College Ready Basketball and host of the Journey Podcast. We have Mr. Zach Cummings coming with us today. Zach, thank you for tuning into the show. Yes, appreciate you having me. Appreciate you having me. So are so you're coming up. Are you have you already graduated from Old Westbury? You're going into another year. Um what's the process there? Uh so I need uh 14 more credits to graduate um so okay. i'm gonna just split it up between the two semesters to go back and play my last two because i have uh i have two semesters left of eligibility so i've played eight and uh well i've played i don't know was it six you get you get 10 to play eight so full time so i have two left so i'm gonna go back and you know graduate and play my last year of eligibility Right, and you also have um, the COVID year that happened too, right? When yes. nobody. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so I, I only went to school in the spring semester that year because mm-hmm. I was uh, I was coming out of JUCO um, the year COVID happened, and I really didn't know where I wanted to go because a lot of schools weren't playing. So I ended up just sitting out that fall semester, and uh, I enrolled at Old Westbury in uh, that spring of twenty twenty one. Yeah, that that sounds about kind of the timeline, right? And you started because you started your college career at I want to say this right, Bossier Parish Community College. No, actually, um, so the first school I went to was Lawson State Community College in Birmingham, okay. Alabama. So okay. that was a uh, Division One junior college in Birmingham, and uh, I went there my for my freshman year in 2016, 2017. But uh, the day I got there, uh, my coach left, like literally the day I got there. Um, so I ended up redshirting that year. So that's why there's probably not much uh, information online about that. So I just went for one semester. I did classes. Um, I redshirted with the team. And uh, that was pretty much it. And then I, I uh, you know, started getting on the school hunt again when I got back into New York and then I ended up playing my freshman year. It's uh, at Bossier Parish in, uh, in Bossier City, Louisiana. Right. Bossier Parish. I knew I was pronouncing it wrong, <laughs> but, and then you also like, you've gone through the JUCO experience and then kind of the, no matter what level you're at D1, D2, D3. Um, and you've, you've made a name for yourself within uh, the college basketball world game but how does it feel to kind of um 
be notarized for that, like your path can take you to many different places. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I just kind of use basketball as a tool. Um, mm-hmm. And so like a lot, a lot of kids and a lot of people, they, they allow basketball to use them, but I knew, you know, with my work ethic and, you know, the passion and love I have for the game that I could use basketball to help me get places that I would, you know, never get without it. So growing up, I really just, I grew up playing at the park. I didn't really play much basketball, like organized. I, you know, kind of just grew up in Huntington station, just playing at the park. And, you know, I'd play like little rec leagues and stuff like that, but didn't have much organized experience. So for me to, you know, be at my fifth college now and never paid a penny for school and was always on scholarship. It's a, it's a blessing, you know, it's something that I never imagined when I was in ninth, 10th, 11th grade. And then, you know, my senior year, uh, I kind of started realizing like, Hey, like basketball might be a legit opportunity for me. Right. And then while continuing your college career, you created the college ready basketball training Academy in at a, at a long Island, right? Cause you're based, cause you're in New York right now. You live in New York, correct? Correct. Yes. Long Island. Yeah. And how did you come up with the college ready training Academy? So I, uh, honestly, college ready training is fairly new. Um, I'm probably only about two months in since I started the business. Um, I've always trained guys. I've always trained all my boys. I've always trained myself. I never really had a trainer growing up. Um, and I always knew I was so knowledgeable with player development and, you know, just understanding what works. Cause I did it, you know, I, I improved a crazy amount throughout, you know, from ninth, 10th grade to where I was at, in, you know, freshman, sophomore year of college to end up being a scholarship level guy. Um, so I, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I'd say about two and a half months ago, maybe sometime in March, early April, uh, I was working a uh, power washing company with my boy and uh, I was out in the Hamptons on this like million dollar home property on the roof, cleaning windows, looking out to the water, it was freezing. I got bleach all over me and uh, I was miserable, you know, and, you know, I'm getting $160 for eight hours and uh, I'm not passionate about it. So that's like one thing that my mind has shifted where I need to stop trying to trade my time for money and, and do something I enjoy since, you know, we're only on this earth for a short amount of time. Like I want to do something I love. So that night I told myself, yo, I'm going to start my own training business and I'm going to do something that I love. So that night I, I linked up with my, uh, with one of my best friends and he's a videographer and helps with some of my graphic designing. And we came up with the name and the logo and, I got the business cards printed and, and I just started networking and handing it out and it's kind of taken off over the last two months. And I, I have seen it, your page and you do great work and I see where, you know, you really enjoy Like you said, you wanted to something that you were passionate about, find something that you kind of felt there was a meaning to instead of just staying on a roof, you know, roof and power washing and everything like that. Absolutely. So I can understand, you know, the need to kind of find what you're missing in your life. And like you said, basketball was the route and you want to give back to the kids, which I really like to hear is you giving back your talents to the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like my purpose here is to 
is to help people, like help others. And I've noticed that over the past couple months where I, I would question, you know, like, why, like, why am I here? You know, like, what, what am I put here to do? And then God kind of just like sprinkles, you know, things in your life. Like I call it like omens. It's from the book called The Alchemist. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you miss them, you know, like if you're not, if you don't believe in it or you don't, if you're not looking for them, you will miss them. So, and, and as I said that, you know, I'm like, yo, like, I'm, I think I'm here to like help people. And then people just are coming in my life, like left and right, like people I would never know, you know, if I, I feel like I wouldn't have never met, I could have never ran into them, but I was just open to, you know, just being out there. And I've helped so many kids so far with coaching, training, mentorship, uh, the podcasts, you know, the podcast that I run also, I get messages all the time, like, yo, like you're changing lives, you're, you're you saved me, you know, all this type of stuff. So I think ultimately like that is the main reason I do it because I'm having a positive impact on, you know, numerous amounts of lives. And I mean, if you can help one life, that's enough, but you know, the feedback that I've got so far, it's continuing to grow. So I just want to keep doing that and just keep trying to help as many people as I can. And speaking of the podcast, like I said, like I said at the beginning, like you said, you're the host and creator of the Journey Podcast. And by yeah. the way, I actually like the logo. You have the whole New York vibe to it with yeah. the Statue of Liberty and then kind of the journey is like the subway letters. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We uh we kinda we came up with that idea. I was like, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a graphic designer, but I have a friend that is and I kind of just gave him the idea and I was like, yo, just run with it, you know, like put your own twist on it and you know and this was his first first take and i was like yo i love it like that's it so that's kind of uh where the logo came from and i've listened to a couple of like you know who you've had on also some of the podcasts are audio some are video and you guys really kind of dig deep and kind of really the core concept is making sure that you're taking care of yourself mentally and I know mental health has been a big impact with everybody within the last few years. Um, but what was kind of, what's the goal for the Journey podcast to kind of help not only others, but help you? Yeah, so it, it really started when I was at, I was at Howard College, which is a Division One junior college in West Texas in Region mm -hmm. 5. Jay Crowder went there before he went to Marquette. Um, very, very, you know, well-known uh, junior college. So I, uh, I went there and I had a rough year. I, I broke my wrist the third day. Um, I was out until October, came back. I got back in the starting lineup, played nine games. Um, then I got a bone contusion in my left knee and then came back for Christmas break and the day we came back, December 26th, I uh, first practiced back, I got a micro fracture in my right knee and I was out for the season. So it was, uh, and then, I mean, long story short, the year prior when I was in the University of the Virgin Islands, I tore my deltoid ligament in my ankle. So I was out for the year. So now we're looking at, you know, almost 700 days and I've played nine games. So ultimately the, the one thing that I was so passionate about and that I loved was just taken from me. Like there was really nothing I could do about it. It was just taken, you know, I worked so hard that summer. So I was in West Texas in the middle of nowhere, just kind of laying in my bed and 
I don't know. I don't like to use the term depressed, right? But I was down. So like I was super down. I didn't know what to do. I felt lost because basketball was really, you know, my life. And uh, I came across the podcast called the Y&K podcast, which is uh, an artist by the name of Mike. And I was like, yo, like, I need to do this. You know, I need to, I need to have a platform to share my story and share other stories that obviously aren't on that, like A-list, B-list celebrity level, because there's so many people like I'm sure myself and you and a bunch of other people in the basketball world and just obviously the world in general that have crazy stories and they just don't have a place to share it. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then I just started brainstorming for the name and I didn't want to force it. And it just came to me. I was like, yo, like my life has been a journey, you know, and it's kind of like cliche. You hear it all the time. But now when I watch podcasts, everyone just talks about the journey, the journey of life, the ups and downs. And that's kind of where it all stemmed from because my life has been a journey. I mean, high schools, I was at four high schools, five colleges, you know, my, my mom passed away when I was 12. Uh, I was living with family, you know, it was, it's been crazy, you know, so it's a lot of ups and downs. And I felt, you know, I needed to do this. And it was, uh, it was great for me, like, and then to, you know, answer the second part of your question. Um, it, it helps me a lot, because I get to self reflect. And I get to learn a lot about other people and kind of take bits and pieces of what they went through and compare it to my life and, and try to understand and be more understanding. And it's, uh, it's just a really good platform to, to learn about yourself. And I go back and I watch it all the time, like all my episodes, I'll be like, yo, like, I need to listen to myself, or I need to listen to my co host, uh, Jake Moscato, shout out to Jake. Um, he runs selfless film, selfless ads, He's a big time videographer based out of New York, Miami. And, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of real things, you know, a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. And uh, it's definitely having a positive impact on us and other people as well. I'm glad to hear, you know, that you guys have created something and created an outlet for people to kind of feel like, yeah, I, I've gone through this kind of dark path where I felt down and I need just, I want, you know, someone to help and I would just want someone to reach out and I'm glad you guys have taken that opportunity and taken you know action as to you know share some wisdom share some insight into you know there's good things that can happen around the corner and good things that can come out of you know what's been down and you've taken advantage of that you've gone from so many injuries in your college career um, family loss and I'm sorry to hear that to a platform and subject matter that are relevant to today's society and yeah yeah absolutely and that's kind of the way that this uh, hoop check was really formed it was basically just uh kind of not as you know it was family tragedy but also just i wanted to feel you know what if i created something that was that a lot that people would listen to, but would also, you know, take away from, I can learn from this moving forward. And that's kind of like how the whole series got created in a sense. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, it's awesome. It's a, it's, it's a perfect time, right. To be a content creator, whether you're doing it 
you know, because I know I've seen you, you have like visuals as well. You do visual audio. Um, it's uh, it's great. Like I, I just look at it like all content is like it's good content, you know, and especially when you're doing something positive in the space, you know, you never know who's watching and you never know who it's impacting. Um, and you may not see it ever, but you get, you just you, you just kind of have to know that people are always watching. People are always paying attention. So. You know, you just got to keep going with it, man, because it's a grind. It really is, especially the podcast. It's a grind. Absolutely. And uh, approaching your senior year at Old Westbury, are there any goals, like personal team, like stat lines, anything that you want to achieve kind of in the last hoorah of the, se- of the season? Yeah, I want to uh, – I mean, I really want to win player of the year in the conference. I think I have a – a real good shot at that. Um, I should score my thousandth point this year if I, you know, stay stay healthy. Knock on wood. Um, you know, I want to get first team all conference this year. I kind of, I feel like I got robbed um, this year. They gave me second team, but I get it. We didn't win all that much. We were eleven and thirteen, and kind of got screwed, uh, not making the playoffs due to like an in- ineligible player. So they took away some wins. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really it. I mean, and I want to win this year, you know, I want to get to the playoffs. I want to play in some college. I've only played in one college playoff game. Um, that was my freshman year. So I want to play in a conference tournament and, and have a shot to win it. And then, yeah, like I said, personally, I want to try to win player of the year, try to get some all Metro honors, possibly division three, all American. Cause I know I'm capable of it. And I think if we win, you know, the sky's the limit for, you know, what I can achieve and what we can achieve as a team this year, for sure. Absolutely. There's the sky is the limit. Anything is possible. You know, the right chemistry, the right team, and just being kind of as one. And I wish you guys the best of luck this year. Appreciate that. My last question to you is, what advice would you give to the next generation of high school hoopers and basketball players and just like people in general, athletes in general, wanting to play at the college level? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, so some advice I would give to obviously aspiring college athletes would be to never give up, right? As cliche as it sounds, be persistent, be consistent. You have to be dedicated. Like you really have to love what you do. Um, because there's going to be so many ups and downs and there's really no, there's no right way to do it. Right. Everyone, everyone is going to go through their path, their journey, their own way. So you can't look at the next guy and be like, Oh, he's doing this. Like I need to, you need to do what's right for you. Um, Do not care about outside opinions because that, that never matters. Don't let, other people's opinions or what other people say or talk about you alter your life and and your decision-making because I know so many kids get caught up in that, in that division one dream and having that division one label. Cause I I was that kid as well, you know, and and that's why I went the junior college route. And, you know, that's why I kept going back. Like I went division one NAIA and bounced back Juco and still trying to go division one. And, I mean, I was close, you know, I, I can't say I had any offers division one, but I, I had coaches texting me and, you know, it felt good. Right. But I'm at the point now where I'm tw- I was 24, 25, making the decision go- to go to Old Westbury division three. 
And it was probably the best decision I ever made because I, I loved, <laughs> I finally, I, you know, the game I loved, I finally got the opportunity to play it to my best ability and, and just be free and be, and, be a bat, and be a player. So you need to go where you're wanted. You need to go um, where you can be yourself because you don't want to be out there playing scare. And that's in any sport. So I guess that would be the, you know, the main things I would say. And, and just be a sponge. You know, you got to you gotta listen. You have to be mentally tough. Um, and you got to be – you just have to really be a hard worker because there's always someone out there working harder than you. And I feel like in this generation, a lot of kids are, you know, I coach AAU and so a lot of kids are soft now. And like, as harsh as it sounds, like kids are soft and I I didn't grow up that way. So I try to instill that mindset and just that mental toughness and work ethic into some of these kids. But kids got to understand that th if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life like you have to you have to treat it like that you can't you can't be half in half out you have to be all the way in absolutely and like you said i think a lot of people are so fixated on oh division one is the best and no matter what but i think that's not true because every division has great talent it's just people only look at division one instead of the whole picture and right yeah guys guys can hoop anywhere <laughs> absolutely can, guys can hoop so that's gonna be it guys thank you again zach for coming on the show i love hearing your story i love the passion that you bring to the game and i'm looking forward to seeing how much more college ready basketball can grow and especially the podcast and can't wait to keep in touch with your last season at old westbury hope you guys bring home the, the title yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. This was dope. Um, yeah, good luck with everything you're doing as well. Just keep going, man. Stay consistent. Consistency always wins, so just got to keep going. Absolutely, man. We'll be right back with more Hoop Jack, guys, so stay tuned. And we're back, guys. So I want to thank Zach for taking the time to come on the show. And, guys, make sure to check out his podcast, uh, The Journey. I want to make sure I say this right. It's uh, uh, the Journey Podcast, as well as his College Ready Basketball Academy. So all of which are based out of New York, specifically Long Island. So make sure to check him out when you get the chance, guys. And for our next topic, um, this kind of holds, you know, with all athletes in general, because yesterday, June 23rd, is the... 50th anniversary of when Title IX became law. So, um, and a great uh, piece that was actually written uh, courtesy of Billie Jean King, who kind of growing up as a tennis player, you know who Billie Jean King is, just like Arthur Ashe and all of them. The 37 words that changed everything. And it's, quote, from the law, from the title nine law itself no person in quote no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance end quote and it says the civil rights act of 1964 was written to end discrimination based on sex religion race color and national origin in the area of employment however 
It did not prohibit gender discrimination in public education and federally assisted programs, including high school and college athletic programs. In 1971, before Title IX was passed, only 1%, 1% of college athletic budgets went to women's sports programs. That's insane. That's crazy. At the high school level, male athletes outnumbered female athletes 12 and a half to one. And so on June 23rd, 1972, title, which was one day, one day and 50 years ago, uh, Title IX was signed into law by President Richard Nixon. So with Title IX uh, celebrating 50 years of, you know, women's improvement in sports, women's involvement in sports, and then, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole um, whole other situations um, because I prefer staying on track. But with women's sports now, I, I still I think they're continuing to rise, especially like we've seen with the high stakes of the WNBA and even college hoops. I see the competitiveness is just as equal as you know male sports. Um, how do you feel this can keep moving forward, and how? Do you feel that this can, you know, continue to spread awareness for, you know, girls to want to achieve a dream? Um, I mean, hey, work hard, right? Work hard. Um, mm -hmm. Opportunity will be there for you to, um, you know, get a play competitive uh, sports for women, right? And so um, you said, so uh, how long, how long ago was this, uh, was this a uh, Title Nine? announced like so uh, it, it was signed ago. into law it was signed into law june 23rd which was yesterday uh 50 years ago 50 so years june ago. 23rd 1972 and what was interesting um was billy jean king in 1973 which would have been a year after title nine was established she competed in an event called Battle of the Sexes, which was a tennis match that she set up. Um, Billie Jean King accepted a challenge match to play against former number one ranked tennis player, Bobby Riggs. And he was 55 years old when he played against Billie Jean King and he lost. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so, by the way, there, there's like 7.45 uh, minutes remaining on the Zoom meeting. Okay, so yeah. what I think is interesting about this all is the fact that you had at a time to kind of think men and women can't compete in different sports, uh, can't compete at the same level, but I think in some sports you can, some sports you can't. I just think, you know, giving women the opportunity to equally compete against each other, why not? I think, you know, We've had all sports are kind of with each other. You know, we have ping pong together. Boxing, you know, is men and women. You have volleyball, men and women, uh, basketball, men and women. There's a lot of sports. Football will be interesting for men and women. Um, but I think as time moves on, you're going to see a lot more of um, women being dominant in the fields they are. I think we also look at the fact like Simone Biles was dominant in gymnastics. We had Gabby Douglas and that team, uh, Sean Johnson were dominant in the gymnastics field. You had, um, you know, 
women's skiing, women's snowboarding, women's tennis. You know, Serena, the Williams sisters dominated the tennis courts for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Candace Parker brought back Chicago Live by winning a title the last year in the, in the WNBA Finals. I think you see the competitiveness to drive. It's the love for the game that they see. And I hope to see more of that kind of in the future. But it, 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 I'm really curious to see how far can it go to where, you know, there will be a time where I think, you know, we do need to kind of be more active in women's sports. I think, you know, give the same opportunity that you would give to, to men as to women. But I think it's hard because, you know, you see a lot more of the NBA paraphernalia out. You see a lot of the jerseys. Like I own like seven NBA jerseys. I can't, you know, I just don't tune in enough to the WNBA. I watch the highlights. I just don't tune enough. And I know I could do more, but I think with, I think a marketing standpoint, the WNBA can definitely do more. I think with outreach, the WNBA can do more. I think there's a lot of ways people could do more without kind of just saying, you know, yada, yada, yada about certain things. Yeah. Well, also I think, too, um, the NBA, yeah. like, I feel like the WNBA, like more and more over the years, there's been marketing towards the WNBA. And I don't know when did the WNBA was established. Um, WNBA was established, I believe, over like 20 years ago, right? Um, right. I can, yeah. So about 20 years ago. In, oh, actually, 1996. So th- they were established and founded. And so uh, with that, I feel like adver- advertising, they've been advertising more and more, um, you know, more often. It's just, what are the um, people uh, tuned into, right? And right. Just at the end of the day, it's the market for what the people can be tuned in for. And, you know, there's so many sports out there. You know, you got football, basketball, or I should say the NBA. Yeah, yeah football, the NBA. You got MLB. You got um, the UFC's rising up, too. And all these other sports hockey as well and so it's just like what are the consumers going to um watch right and a lot of it's you know the entertainment aspect of it but i think you know it's Mm -hmm. the hard work that you see behind it and hopefully we can kind of get to a point where it'll be um the marketing aspect of it the you know because nowadays technology it's so advanced with especially social media marketing and marketing players marketing teams you know brand or brand ambassadors it's it's going to turn bigger and i know with basketball especially you know it's continuing to grow it might be growing at a slower pace but there's always opportunities for it to get it to where we want to get it and i know that in the future there's no stopping the next generation of even women's players who want to be more of an outreach to that who can make a difference and even the nba kobe bryant was a big emphasis on the wnba he meant so much to the nba he gave a lot to the wnba Mm -hmm. he trained with them he worked with them he talked with them i think we just talk with them more and outreach more there's so much we can do yeah Um, but that's, but that's going to be it, guys, for another episode of the Hoop Jack Podcast Series. I want to thank Jay for coming on of course, and giving his for letting words me on. and insights. 
and make sure to keep tuning in guys new episodes coming out every monday and friday uh summer with the summer going on there's gonna be a lot of free agent talk and there's gonna be a lot of the tbt coming up soon so especially that so make sure to keep tuning in and remember don't be a bystander be a hooper and keep balling peace